And I was reading this week um, about Mary and the song that she um, sang or uh, came up with. Um, It's in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 46 it starts. The Magnificat, Mary's song. And uh, this has nothing to do with what I'm preaching about. This is just from my heart, free. Um, she, She extols the greatness of God and just lifts it up. She's going through a very difficult time. She's, she's, she's going to be shunned. She's going to be uh, disbelieved. She's going to be rejected. Yet, yet she lifts up the name of God. And, and how wonderful that is. And how, how we need to pay attention to that and, and use it in our lives. I think. David did that. You notice David... Um, he, he was he, he was experienced in taking down wild animals, but when when Goliath came against him and started belittling him and starting started you know taking on David and 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 saying he's going to do him in, David didn't say you know I don't fear you because I've taken the bear and I've taken the lion. He said, my God is big. <laughs> my God is mighty. And, and you don't stand a chance today. He's, it's about God. And, and, and he was making God big in his own eyes and warning Goliath that he's not just dealing with little tiny David. He's dealing with the great big God. And that's the way we deal with our stuff, you know. Like it can overwhelm us, the stuff of life, and be, be too much for us to deal with. But if you, if you magnify the Lord, the Magnificat, if you magnify the Lord and, and, and recognize how big He is, your troubles seem to shrink in the presence of the Almighty. So if you got a problem, just remind it how big God is. How big He is. And how wonderful He is. So good. So, let us go to Matthew. This is what I'm going to talk about today. It has nothing to do with Mary. (laughs) Well, it does a little bit. Just so good to go over the, the things of of scripture and the, the, the stories that we we know so well. Uh, Matthew chapter one and verse seventeen, verse eighteen, sorry. The birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet, or by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Hallelujah. What an amazing scripture. Names in the Bible have uh, significance, have importance, uh, and, and uh, if, if you look them up, they, they always are revelatory about the character and personality of the people that they're hung on. <laughs> in in sports, I, I like sports. <laughs> less and less as I get older, I guess. But um, and and the Canucks don't ever win anything. <laughs> yeah. Pardon me? Yeah, they do. Where's your TV? They lost again last night. <laughs> three. Anyway, um, their names are, are important to them as well, you know, uh, to, to sports people. And um, Washington has a team called the Commanders now. Washington Commanders. They were the Washington Redskins for 85 or 87 years. But that name is not appropriate anymore. It's It's not... It's not uh, not well accepted by the woke generation, and so they they changed it. And for two years, uh, they were the Washington Football Team. That's all they were called because they knew they had to change it, but they couldn't decide what it should be. And so they were looking for a name, and because they're near the Pentagon and and lots of action. They felt it should be something to do with the military. And so they they decided that commanders would be um, the name that they should take. But I don't think they gave it a lot of thought. Because you like to have nicknames for your team, right? Like the Canucks or the Nucks. And, the, you know, like, and so what do you call them? The commies? <laughs> The Washington Commies? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Name, names <laughs> are so important. And there's, there, there are other teams. You know, the, um, uh, Cleveland had a team that was called the Indians. Of course, they couldn't have that anymore. And so they changed their names to the Guardians. Now, what does that mean to you, the, the Cleveland Guardians? Like, it should have some significance. They named them after two statues 
the guardians of traffic outside the stadium in Cleveland. Now, unless you're from Cleveland and, and understand <laughs> what that's about, that's not going to do anything for you. The Cleveland guardians. <laughs> like up here, most of the people have no idea what, what it's about. It's just, that's their name. So it has very little significance outside of Cleveland. And so you, you want to think about names that have better significance than that. Uh-huh. And <laughs> other things, uh, like other teams, Washington Nationals in, in uh, baseball, for example, they, they, they're by the, the national capital. So that, that makes some sense. Washington Nationals, the Nats, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and so it's, imp- it's important to get a name that works. Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh has a, a history of uh, being a steel town. You know, they, they manufacture steel there. So Steelers makes a, a, uh, an, it has, has an important impression. Um, Orlando Magic in basketball. It, it connects people to Disneyland. You know, the Magic Kingdom. And, and so... Um, it, 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 the names usually have some significance that is beyond um, just the name itself. But but names can can be a little misleading, misleading and and uh, uh, don't always travel well. Um, there there was a basketball team in New Orleans, uh, the home of jazz. Not this jazz, but. <laughs> Uh, the music jazz, uh, and and so they called them the New Orleans Jazz. But the owner decided he wanted to move to Utah, and so they are now the Utah Jazz. Now, that doesn't work. They have they have a choir there, the uh, Mormon Tabernacle Choir, but but not jazz. They're not known for jazz, but still the team is called jazz. So you get to give some thought to names and, and the significance of names. And you've got to, in order for it to be effective, a name needs to be commanding. Commanding. Have, have some oomph to it. The first chapter of the book of Matthew, the birth of Jesus is foretold. The story begins with the controversy of Mary and how Mary, as a young gal, uh, how old was she? Don't know, 13, 15, you know, um, she was young. And she was betrothed to Joseph. Betrothed is before you're married, but it, it has the same significance of, as, as a marriage, you know. So you, in order to break a betrothal, you had to divorce, right? And, and uh, that's why it says that uh, Joseph was considering the divorce. They weren't, were not yet married, but yet Mary was being, Mary was in a real bind, she, she, she said to the Holy Spirit that, you know, do what you will. 
But she had to go through terrible persecution and terrible suffering because it was no, no small matter to be pregnant and unmarried. Not just unbetrothed, but <laughs> unmarried. And she was, what she would have had to go through was, was to be ostracized and, and to have her story doubted and to not be accepted by the people that meant everything to her. Joseph didn't believe at the beginning, but a dream. God sent a dream to her, or to him. And, and uh, in the dream, the Holy Spirit explained the whole thing to him. He, understanding the significance of dreams, didn't just dream it and then not pay attention to it, but he actually acted upon the dream. And, and that's an amazing thing. And in the dream, he was told that he should name the child Jesus. And he did that. The angel said, his name shall be Jesus. He said, uh, she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. Now that, that's a commanding name, Jesus. Jesus is the Greek form of the the Old Testament name, Joshua or Yeshua, right? Yeshua. And it means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. That's commanding. That's a powerful name. Matthew tells us that uh, all of this takes place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin, this is uh, in verse 23 of what we just read, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the second commanding name given to this child. He has these two powerful names. Jesus, or Yeshua, God saves, and Emmanuel, God with us. It's so wonderful and so commanding, powerful. Then Joseph wakes up. He does what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he takes Mary home as his wife, and she gives birth to a son. And he gives him the name Jesus, which means God saves. And he, ha he has the name Emmanuel with him his whole life, but is not called Emmanuel except through the scripture, meaning God with us. Both are strong and commanding names. So we know that names of the Bible are, are important, and, and people get names for specific things. Jacob, for example, his name was changed after his night of wrestling with this divine creature, 
whether it was an angel or Jesus or, you know, whoever it was he wrestled with, changed his name. Changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And it was powerful. Abraham's name was changed from Abram to Abraham at the time of the covenant with God. Saul became Paul when he became a follower of Christ. Names are carefully chosen to reflect the circumstances of the birth as well as indicate something of the personality of the person or their status. For example, Moses means to draw out. To draw out. Moses, as, as a baby, was drawn out of the Nile. Right? So he got the name Moses. And he drew his people out from Egypt. The name Miriam means drop of, drop of the sea, or bitter, or beloved. Now that's a lot of different <laughs> focuses there. And, and later becomes Mary. So Miriam becomes Mary the, um, from you know, the New Testament. The name Elijah means the Lord is God. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. And the name Emmanuel means God with us. A name is always more than just a word in the Bible. It expresses personality, status, and nature. So that doesn't mean to say that the Son of God is, is both Jesus and Emmanuel. Oh, what? I, I, read, I misread that. <laughs> so what does it mean to say that the Son of God is both Jesus and Emmanuel. That's better. Both names embody who Jesus is, Savior and God with us. Both invite us to respond, not just with the cheers of sports fans, but with deep faith and commitment. Jesus, the first name, the Lord saves, connotes that Jesus, this, this man, this God, will save his people from their sins. Jesus was sent to earth to be the one to save us from all that we had done. To save us from ourselves. He saves us. And, and what, what a name to, to live up to. And he, yet he does. Jesus, Yeshua. And, and if, we, if we look at the, the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, two lines in it say, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Right? Dealing with our sin. Jesus is dealing with our sin. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Huh. Huh, so good. Cast out our sin and enter in. That's exactly what he does. Be born in us today. The letter to the Hebrews says that Jesus came to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself on the cross. Hebrews 9.26 Jesus casts our sins, 
casts out our sins once and for all. An act that never needs to be repeated. He lays down his life for us in an act of loving sacrifice. One that brings us forgiveness and new life. We need Jesus to save us. We need Jesus to refresh, restore, renew our relationship with God. Jesus makes it possible for us to have access where we have never had never had access before. He enters into us and makes a way for us to to go to God anytime. Saves us from our sin. Emmanuel, the second name, communicates that God is with us. Turning to a higher power is, is something that people that go through recovery programs really understand. But we understand it as well. We are not able to do it on our own. We need someone to be with us through it all. And, and Jesus, Emmanuel, is with us all the time. All the time. God with us. So little town of Bethlehem again. There's another couple lines that so wonderfully remind us. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Jesus came to abide with us, to live in us, to stay with us forever. And that's the work of Emmanuel. He, He saves us. And he never leaves us. He makes his home in us. Never never to go away again. That's amazing. Powerful. Commanding. His names express what he does for us. We don't have to look beyond that. As we move toward Christmas, let's keep the commanding names of Jesus and Emmanuel in front of us. They tell us that Jesus is our Savior, coming to save us from sin and deliver us to new and abundant life. He's also Emmanuel, God with us. The surest sign that our Lord is with us in every time and place and situation that we get into. With Jesus, we are never trapped in our sins and shortcomings. With Emmanuel, we are never completely alone. There is nothing controversial about these two names. There is about football names, the commanders. But there is nothing controversial about Jesus and Emmanuel. They just are full of promise. They are perfect descriptions of the one who commands our faith and our trust and our deepest commitment.
Jesus, Emmanuel, God saves and God is with us. He is so wonderful, so wonderful. Uh, thank you, Lord. So as we go through our Christmas season, keep those names there. Remember why we, we, we celebrate. Remember what we're doing. It's, it's all about him. Huh. He is so good. So good. Let's stand and pray. So aptly named, eh? You'd think he knew what he was doing. Lord, Lord Jesus, Yeshua, huh? you, you have come to save us from ourselves. Save us from the trap and the snare that the enemy has laid for us to save us from our sins. You save us, O oh God. And in this lonely, dark place where it, it sometimes just is overwhelming for us to, to, to be by ourselves and think that we're alone in it all, Emmanuel promises us that we, were, we will never be alone again. When he comes to live in us, we are never completely alone. He is with us everywhere, encouraging us and blessing us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Emmanuel. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the one that helps us in every way You've thought it all through. You made your plans. And we see them unfolding before us. You excite us. You give us great joy as we, as we think in this Advent season that we have hope. We have peace because of you. But we can have joy in the midst of terrible, terrible times. You give us joy reason to uh, be excited about our futures with you this time on earth will be fleeting yet our time with you will be forever your promises to us and you never break a promise thank you Lord for who you are and what you're doing our wonderful Commander, <laughs> Jesus, Emmanuel. Thank you, Lord. Oh, bless each one, I pray. I know you want to do that anyway, but let us, let us remember you this Christmas season. Let us, let us read the stories again, fresh and new. Let us, let us share the stories with our family and our friends. Let us be amazed by what you have done, Lord, because you are amazing. 
We bless you for our time with you. Thank you for worship, Lord, and how important it is. We bless you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.